last 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Hello, Utah Street. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome in to the Mass and All Access podcast series recaps. Your friendly neighborhood host, Bobby Blanco, here. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. We are recapping this week's series against the Pittsburgh Pirates to continue this homestand at a full capacity Nationals Park. Entering the series, the Nats were 27 and 35 on the season, seven and a half games out of first place in the National League East behind the Mets, facing a last place Pirates team that had lost seven games in a row coming into this series. Let's break it down. I've been saying all season long that the Nationals need to beat the teams they're supposed to beat in order to get back into this division race, and three home games against the lowly Pirates were a perfect opportunity to gain some easy ground. John Lester took the mound to start the series on Monday, still searching for his first win of the season, which is a shame because he has pitched well enough to earn one more often than not this year. Uh, And Monday was another one of those opportunities uh, for him and another one of those outings in which he pitched well enough to earn a W, but would have to settle for a no decision in a 3-2 Nationals victory in which he gave up two runs and five and a third innings on 86 pitches. The outing went much like a lot of Leicester's starts of the season, putting runners on base but not letting too many of them score. The Pirates stranded runners in scoring position in the second, third, and fourth innings, and Leicester would have a 1-2-3 fifth inning and then record the first out in the sixth before David Martinez handed the ball over to the bullpen. The Pirates would score in the bottom of that sixth frame to tie the game at 2-2. And once again, it was Lester's old friend Kyle Schwarber who delivered what would prove to be the game-winning home run on his team-best 13th homer of the season in the bottom of the seventh as he continued to unconventionally find success at the leadoff spot. Over the weekend, there it goes! Right field, see you! again. Schwarber homered in 23 of John Lester's starts while they were teammates with the Cubs in Chicago, including the postseason. And now with the Nationals, Schwarbs has homered in three of Lester's nine starts this season, this time propelling them to a 3-2 win over the Pirates. Kyle Finnegan was the pitcher of record. Clay Holmes took the loss for Pittsburgh, and Brad Hand recorded his 12th save of the season. Two runs, seven hits, one error for the Pirates. Three runs, six hits, zero errors for the Nationals. From the leadoff spot, Schwarber was 2-for-3 with two RBIs, a run scored, and a walk. Turner, Soto, and Bell each added hits in the spots right behind him, with Soto having the other RBI, and Victor Robles added a double from the 8-hole. Out of the pen, Wander Suero cleaned up the 6th inning, even though a run was charged to John Lester uh, and came across the plate. But then Kyle Finnegan, Tanner Rainey, and Brad Hand close out the win with three straight scoreless innings. Tuesday night's game brought some welcome sights for sore eyes, both offensively and on the mound. First off, the Nats' struggles with the bases loaded have been well-documented, easily the worst in baseball in those situations this season. So it was a huge sigh of relief when the situation presented itself in the first inning, and the Nats actually capitalized on it in the best way possible. Already with a 1-0 lead, instead of driving in a couple of runs for a slightly larger lead, Jan Gomes brought in a whole bunch of runs with one swing, hitting a grand slam to cap off a five-run first inning. Jan Gomes! Grand Slam. 
And now with an early comfortable lead, Patrick Corbin took care of the rest, turning in his best start of the season, pitching eight and a third strong innings in an easy eight to one win over the Pirates. It was Corbin's first start of eight or more innings since August 21st, 2019, coincidentally enough, also against the Pirates. And even though the Pittsburgh offense isn't the most dangerous in the league, it was Corbin's process throughout the outing that was the most encouraging. He went right after hitters, throwing enough fastballs to get ahead in counts, and then got outs with his sliders, of which he threw 32 of 43 for strikes and 11 of them for swings and misses, helping him keep his pitch count down throughout the night. Even though Corbin couldn't finish off the sixth complete game of his career, he received a standing ovation from the crowd as he departed with one out in the ninth and his pitch count at 110 pitches. And aside from Corbin himself, no one was happier to see this performance from the lefty than his manager. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say something, though. If there's anybody that wants wanted Corbin to finish the game and have a complete game, besides Corbin, it was me. I wanted him to finish, but when he got up to 110 pitches, which was the max, I mean, that, that, that was it. We got to understand that this is a long season and um, we got a long way to go. So we need it for the duration, but he was outstanding tonight. Outstanding. I mean, he threw, he threw strikes, kept the ball down. I mean, he found the strike zone. I think he only gave up one walk. I mean, it was, it was, it was a really good night. It was fun to watch him pitch tonight. Corbin earned his fourth win of the season. Tyler Anderson earned his seventh loss. One run, eight hits, zero errors for the Bucks. Eight runs, 13 hits, one error for the Nationals. It was a big offensive day for the Nats, even aside from the Grand Slam. Every starting position player recorded at least one hit. Trey Turner turned in a four for five night with an RBI triple and run scored. And Jordy Mercer starting at third base and batting seventh went three for four with a run scored. Justin Miller recorded the final two outs in quick fashion while making his first major league appearance since May 17th, 2019, also with the Nationals. He was brought up on Tuesday after the Nats finally decided to place Max Scherzer on the 10-day injured list with groin inflammation. Wednesday's afternoon game was also preceded by another roster move earlier in the day. The Nationals placed Starlin Castro on the restricted list and recalled Luis Garcia from AAA Rochester. David Martinez saying before the game that Castro had some family matters he needed to attend to and that the third baseman was totally fine himself, but it was unclear when he will return. And once again, the, the Nats decided to bring up Garcia instead of Carter Keboom, so that should tell you again the organization's thoughts on Carter. Now to the game, when the Nationals had a chance to win their third sweep of the season and another chance to add to the win column against a last-place team. Due to Max Scherzer's injury, the Nats need Apollo Espino to make another spot start for them and just give them a chance to win, hopefully with another offensive outburst. Well, Espino did more than that, pitching five scoreless innings and allowing only three hits while earning his first career major league win. Think of the path the 34-year-old Espino took to get to this accomplishment. He was a 10th round draft pick by the Indians back in 2006. He appeared in 342 minor league games while also pitching in the Venezuela and Dominican Republic Winter Leagues. He didn't make his major league debut until 2017 with the Brewers and now earned his first major league win in 2021 with the Nationals. Espino, after the game, talked about how special this moment meant to him. It's awesome. Uh, once again, I'm, I'm happy with the opportunity that, I'm, that I've been given. Uh, just taking advantage of everything that, that comes up. Um, I just went out there, tried to give the team a, a chance to win. Uh, I was trying to go inning by inning, hitter by hitter. Uh, I didn't know how how far they were going to let me go. So I was just focusing on being efficient and try to go as deep as possible. Davey said uh, he had you sort of address the team after the game. Uh, was that, did that surprise you? What, and 
what, what was kind of your message to those guys in the? In the uh, well, yeah, he, yeah, I, I wasn't expecting it, but I mean, I just told them that how, how, I mean, I know how good this team is. Uh, I know we can do, we can do a lot better than we've been doing so far. And I know we can make it all the way to the end. So uh, that's pretty much my, uh, that was pretty much the message that I gave. Espino also mentioning there that this team can do a lot more and is on the right path. So hopefully the Nats can take his words to heart and keep this winning trend up. The offense on Wednesday was once again led by Jan Gomes with some insurance provided by Josh Bell later in the game. Gomes hit a second inning home run to give Espino an early lead, the catcher's seventh of the season, which is tied for fourth amongst National League catchers. Maybe he should be getting some all-star votes as well. Jan Gomes under another to deep left see you later and then bell would hit a two-run blast in the bottom of the seventh that would prove to be the game winner after the pirates scored a run in the eighth inning don't watch you around anymore josh bell as if on cue deep right center see you later After the game, Bell joined Bob Carpenter and Dan Coco on Nats Extra and mentioned that his parents were in attendance to see him play for in person for the first time in two years. So pretty cool he treated them with a game-winning two-run bomb. Espino improved to 1-2 and two on the season. He's now sporting a 228 ERA. Chase DeYoung fell to 0-1 on the season, and Brad Hand earned his 13th save and 8th straight to rank 7th in the National League. One run, nine hits, zero errors for the Pirates. Three runs, eight hits, zero errors for the Nationals. Kyle Schwarber added another hit from the leadoff spot. In six games in that spot this season, he's now batting 333, 400, 905 with a 1305 OPS with four homers and eight RBIs. Including the homer, Josh Bell finished two for three with the two RBIs, a run scored, and a walk. And Jan Gomes added another two-hit day. Out of the bullpen, Tanner Rainey pitched a score of a sixth inning to get his ERA under eight. Sam Clay and Kyle Finnegan each recorded two outs, and the Pirates' only run being charged to Finnegan and Brad Hand on a day's rest recorded the five-out save on 22 pitches. The Nats are now 30-35 and 35 on the season, riding a four-game winning streak and a stretch of winning six out of the last eight games. They are now seven games out of first place in the division behind the Mets, though they are now only a half game behind the Braves for third place in the National League East after they were swept by the Red Sox this week. The Nats now conclude this homestand with four games in three days against those very division-leading Mets. Let's take a look at the opposite dugout. Luis Rojas's Mets are 34 and 26, first in the National League East, the third best winning percentage in the league, though they are still missing some games from the time missed earlier this season, uh, with the first season series being postponed against the Nationals in DC. Over the last 10 games, the Mets are 7 and 3 and have won 8 of their last 11 in the season series against the Nationals. This is their second meeting. Then the Mets won two of three in New York back in late April. Pitching probables, Friday night starters, left-hander Joey Lucchese will face right-hander Eric Fetty. That's a 7.05 p.m. start on Masson 2. Your boy will be covering that game in place of Mark Zuckerman for MassInSports.com. And then Saturday's doubleheader, unsure of the order, uh, which who will pitch what game, but we know that left-hander David Peterson will be pitching one of the games for the Mets, possibly a bullpen game for the second game. 
uh, from Luis Rojas, uh, or maybe uh, calling up someone from the minor leagues. On the national side, John Lester and Joe Ross will split the duties. Still unsure who will take which game. But game one will start at 1.05 p.m. Game two at 6.05 p.m. Both of those games will be on Masson too. And then Sunday's finale is a matchup of former teammates in Arizona. Right-hander Taiwan Walker will face Patrick Corbin at 1.05 p.m. on Masson 2. The Mets are entering a brutal part of their schedule. They are in the middle of a stretch of playing 15 games in 13 straight days and 33 games in 31 days to end this first half of the season with only one off day between June 11th and July 11th with three doubleheaders, all three being played within a week of each other, the first one starting this Saturday against the Nationals. Adding to this wacky schedule is a one-game series back here in D.C. as a part of making up that postponed season opening series. So the next time these two teams face each other after this weekend will be for one game at Nationals Park on Monday, June 28th at 7.05 p.m. The Mets offense has been doing just enough to get by and pace them in first place as they find themselves in the lower half or near the bottom of the league in average OPS, home runs, runs scored, and RBIs. Pete Alonso still leads the way for this lineup with 10 homers and 34 RBIs while batting 249 on the season, while Francisco Lindor continues to struggle in his first year in New York, batting only 213 with a 6 homers, 16 RBIs, and a 652 OPS, while the rest of the lineup is batting around 250 or worse for the most part, and still dealing with a number of injuries with Michael Conforto, Brandon Nimmo, Albert Alomar Jr., J.D. Davis, and Jeff McNeil all on the injured list entering this weekend. So it's been the Mets pitching staff that has done most of the work this season to pace themselves in first place as they post the best ERA in the majors at 310, but they will be without Jacob deGrom pitching this weekend, which I'm sure no one in D.C. is upset about. The right-hander is now dealing with another injury after leaving his start on Wednesday against the Cubs after three innings with a sore shoulder. Joey Lucchese will kick off the weekend for the Mets on Friday night. Though the left-hander has had some recent success with a 156 ERA over his last four starts, he has still not been allowed to face a lineup more than twice, though he did set season highs with five innings and 72 pitches in his last start, so maybe he'll have a longer leash Friday night against the Nationals and see how the Nationals offense responds to facing this young left-hander. He's 1-0 with a 5.79 ERA and three career starts against the Nationals. We only know one Mets starter for Saturday's doubleheader in left-hander David Peterson, though it's not certain which game he will take the mound for. The 25-year-old left-hander is 2-5 with a 5.60 ERA and 12 starts this season. And in two starts against the Nationals last year as a rookie, Peterson went 2-0 with only one earned run and seven strikeouts over 12 innings. And then Taiwan Walker will start Sunday's finale against his former Diamondbacks teammate Patrick Corbin. Walker is 6-2 with a 2-12 ERA and 12 starts this season and is coming off a career outing in which he struck out a career-high 12 batters over 7 innings in his last start against the Cubs. And the last time he faced the Nationals, he pitched 7 scoreless innings on April 25th and has posted a 183 ERA ever since. While their rotation posts a 269 ERA, the Mets' bullpen isn't as spectacular with a 369 ERA and 10 blown saves this season though Edwin Diaz has a 2.67 ERA and 37 strikeouts with 14 saves in 15 chances. Nationals Park is at full capacity now. Check out nationals.com for a full list of new protocols and such for your trip to the ballpark this weekend. 
Hopefully you can get down to the Nats Park to cheer on the Nationals and maybe celebrate a nice Father's Day on Sunday. That's going to do it for this series recap. Be sure to tune into the Mets series this weekend on Masson 2. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Masson All Access Podcast Series Recaps. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Wherever you get podcasts, you can find the Masson All Access Podcast. And check out our live podcast, myself and Amy Jennings, every week, uh, usually Wednesdays or Tuesdays, possibly Thursdays. We are live on the Masson Nationals Facebook page, YouTube channel, and Twitter account. We were not able to get Kate Cavalli this past week, but hopefully we'll talk to the Nationals' number one overall prospect next week. Given Mass and Nationals a follow on all social media accounts and check out Mark Zuckerman's coverage on MassInSports.com. I will be covering for Mark for Friday night's game against the Mets, so you can check out my work there and also give me a follow on Twitter at Bobby underscore Blanco. Our next episode of Recaps will drop Monday, breaking down this Mets series and looking ahead to a six-game road trip through the National League East, starting with two games in Philadelphia in the middle of next week. Until then, enjoy the games. Happy Father's Day, and we'll talk to you later. 